everybody. Ben Pakulski, Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Welcome back. I'm currently sitting in Costa Rica, one of the world's blue zones, thinking about longevity. Rather than longevity, I'm actually framing it as extending youth. I don't know about you. I don't want to live to be 120 and not be able to do things. I want to be youthful. I want to be young, strong, vibrant, and vital, and ultimately be able to do all the things I did when I was 25, when I'm 85. So thinking about that, brings up so many different conversations in my mind. And one that comes up that's really specific to really everyone who's looking to live their their greatest life in a body they love is this conversation around cardio. How much should I do any? Is it important and where does it fit? And so today I want to give you a little bit of value today before we get into our amazing podcast with our amazing guest, talking a little bit about cardio and how I frame it in my mind. I think cardio should be one of the three foundational staples that we all train within. So what are those three staples? You've heard me say this before. Strength training and muscle building is definitely, definitely one of those three pillars. You must be doing that if you're looking to extend youth, extend that useful vitality and strength and vibrancy into any age, wherever you are right now. Strength training and muscle building must be there. Another one of the pillars is mobility and stability. You have to be able to move. You have to be able to be stable if you want to do anything ultimately, right? So building intentionally mobility and stability into your programs is vital. And the third and final one is going to be aerobic training and ultimately something that allows your body to improve aerobic function, increase VO2 max. Uh, And there's reason for that beyond just the cardiovascular system. So we all know of the cardiovascular benefits of aerobic fitness. That's goes without saying, but there's so many additional benefits as far as improving body composition. Most people will know that, but that's just, again, another small one. The one that I really like to lean in on is my ability to recover and decrease my stress response. So ultimately increase heart rate variability. And so the more aerobically fit I am, the more resilient my body is to stress, the better my body deals with any type of impending stressful events, any type of stressful stimulus. And that could be any, something as low as training my body becomes exponentially more efficient and effective at dealing with these stressors, regardless of what type the stressor is. So uh, as we lean into living our greatest life in a body we love, my suggestion to all of you out there is spend a great, a fair amount of time, we'll say, in zone two training, what's called zone two training. What that means and the way that I'll describe that to you without getting into scientific terms is staying in a high level of aerobic training that allows you to be nasal only with your breathing. Now that's different for everybody, right? What's the highest level of effort you can exert over 30 to 60 minutes, exert over 30 to 60 minutes um, and stay nasal only with your breath. That's very, very important as far as a prerequisite. So my suggestion is get at least, you know, minimum 30 minutes twice a week, Uh, You can get up to 60 minutes three times a week. Sometimes people will do 60 minutes or more five times a week, especially if you're trying to improve. Um, So in the beginning, getting there can feel hard. It takes a little more effort. It's like trudging through mud is my metaphor, right? Sometimes in the beginning when you start something, it's like you're walking through neck deep mud. But once you start getting better and better at the skill and the consistency, what happens is the mud starts to dry up and you start to walk above it. It's almost like you're floating and you're hovering. And that's how I want you guys to frame cardiovascular fitness in your mind. In the beginning, yep, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But eventually, you can probably get by with two sessions a week from 40 to 60 minutes and still maintain that really good aerobic fitness and that high VO2 max. And ultimately, what you're doing there is you're allowing your body to produce energy more efficiently, more effectively, increasing your recovery time between sets 
and between workouts. So now you can increase the effectiveness and the efficiency of your workouts and ultimately burn more fat at rest also. That sounds like a really, really um, valuable tool now, doesn't it? Instead of saying, oh, cardio burns muscle or breaks down muscle, which in my eyes is absolutely not true unless it's too much or if you're in a caloric deficit, that may be the case. So if you're someone who's in a constant caloric deficit, that's something to consider. However, uh, there's way more value to being a very aerobically fit in this zone two level, never going into that mouth breathing. It's simply too hard. It's unnecessary. I mean, unless you're training sports specific or unless you're trying to do some high intensity stuff, it's very different. Those are just simply different energy systems. We want to improve our aerobic efficiency, aerobic energy production. So anyways, hopefully that was valuable for you. It gives you a little bit of context on how you can apply aerobic fitness most effectively into your life. Today's guest, Aaron Singerman is a very good friend of mine who has taken a small supplement company years ago and made an absolute empire. And I dig into his brilliant mind and how he did it, how he created a culture, how he created a brand, and ultimately how he created one of the most prolific brands that exists right now in the entire fitness industry. Aaron is an incredibly successful man, uh, but also a great father who has tremendous values. And I really resonate with some of the conversation today. So um, thank you very much to Aaron Singerman for joining me on the podcast and talking about how he built his empire and how he manages to maintain balance. And it, is balance even a thing? And we talk a lot about that. Um, and Aaron has been so gracious as to offer us a discount for his amazing company and a very, very generous discount. Um, if you head over to redcon1.com, you can use the code PAK, P-A-K, 30 for 30% off all of his amazing products. These are high performance products, really well designed, efficaciously dosed to fuel your performance. Some of the things that I've used in the past are his pre-workout, his um, RTDs, ready to drink uh, protein shakes. Um, and you know, really all of his products have been suggested to be really, really great. And you know, truthfully, I haven't dived into all of them yet, but if it sounds like something you guys would be interested in, these are high performance products. And he's got one of the biggest companies in, in the world right now uh, and I won't give you the valuation dollar-wise, but it is exceptional. And that speaks volumes about um, not only the quality of the products, but the integrity of the brand. So uh, without further ado from you guys, enjoy the podcast with Aaron Singerman. Listen all the way to the end. I've got some more special surprises for you. Aaron Singerman, welcome to the podcast. Ben, thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming. I, every time I see you post about the podcast, I'm like, one of these days, Ben is going to invite me to do <laughs> Uh, man, it, it's it's honestly, a, man, you know, I respect you a huge, a huge amount. And, you know, I've been friends for a long time. I was thinking about today. It's like maybe 2011 when we started kind of becoming friends. You spent some time in Tampa and uh, it was before you'd even started your, your first business. You can choose to mention the name of it or not. But I want to kind of start there because, um, you know, the, you know, I know you, you entered a previous business, which you have either still own or exited. And I kind of want to start there. It's like, um, you know, as, as we've evolved, it's now uh, a massive company that you're running, which we'll, we'll talk about a lot. Um, you know, the lessons that came from that first business. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, see you now and like, oh, he's crushing it and his business is growing so fast. But I was there before that business. And even to hear you talk about Redcon 1 before it started, uh, it was all interesting. And you had you were so excited about the mission and the message. And so I'd love to just kind of dissect that, you know, what, you know, maybe even before Redcon, what would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we, me and you met, you think in 2010 or 11. I mean, we, me and I met at shows and stuff before then, but we, we actually started becoming friends and, and me and Darielle, uh, my wife, I think we, I, no, we were there before she, we were married. So yeah, when did you meet Darielle? Met Darielle uh, at uh, Junior Nationals in 2000, yeah, 2010. And, yeah, yep. 2010. So, so I we, met you before that. Cause I remember when you met her. 
Yes, yes, yep. that's right. And uh, that's right. Me and you met at shows along the way. I mean, your first pro show was what, 2008? Nine. 2009. So we probably got right around then. Because yep. um, uh, I was covering the shows for Arx Muscle. So no doubt about it, whatever show you did, uh, other than a show in Canada, I was there at the show covering the show and, and uh, you know, with Dave Palumbo. So um, yeah, that, that uh, it is interesting, right? Because we met way before uh, I started uh, Blackstone Labs, uh, the company that, that, uh, that kind of led me tor- towards this direction. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough to start a lot of supplement companies. You know, I own one with Dana Lee Bailey and Rob Bailey called Run Everything. I own Prime Nutrition. Uh, with uh, with my previous partner from Blackstone. Uh, I owned Iron Addicts brand with CT Fletcher. I owned Dynamic Muscle with Kai Green. Um, and I'm sure I'm probably forgetting some. So uh, it, along along the way, I've done a bunch. But that uh, that kind of process began with Dave Palumbo when I when I met you. And and uh, I was covering the world of bodybuilding, um, kind of like uh, Bob Costas' assistant, basically. Dave Palumbo, it's a pretty good... Uh, kind analogy for Dave Palumbo, uh, coming with Bob Costas, but we we traveled the world and covered uh, the world of bodybuilding. And along the way, you know, my passion has always been bodybuilding and uh, the fitness industry. And we just dis- I discovered as pretty much everybody does in bodybuilding, there's not a whole lot of money. Um, I was really really happy to be doing it, and I was happy to pay my bills following you know my my passion uh, because obviously I didn't have the genetics uh, to be a professional bodybuilder like you it just wasn't it wouldn't have happened no matter what i could have done but as much as i love that i wanted to be part of it and i was able to work my way in through uh the media side but then when you have uh, we got married daryl and i got married and uh, uh we were pregnant in in tampa but we ended up moving to boca raton uh at the time i got a chance to train with you a bunch of times and uh get my ass totally kicked i trained we trained every body part except for legs i avoided training legs with you i knew better i knew better than that uh, but we uh, we trained a bunch, and when I when I did move to Boca, um, when Daria was towards the end of her pregnancy, I realized that this was this was not going to be uh, uh, a living or a career path that I could follow and provide for a family the way that I wanted to. Um, and I didn't I didn't grow up uh, poor by any means, but I also didn't grow up uh, wealthy by any means. I didn't you know I didn't really even see uh, much success like that. Uh, I wasn't around it in New Orleans, Louisiana. My uh, my my surroundings were were okay, you know, but uh, I never really had that aspiration. A lot of people said, "Well, did you did you always know you were going to be successful? Did you know you were going to be?" The truth is, I didn't really I didn't really know that I wanted to be. I didn't care, you know. I felt really lucky to be following my passion, paying the bills. But then when she got pregnant, I realized, wow, like this is not going to be enough. I'm not going to be able to make sixty grand a year and provide um, the way that I want for, for a family. And, uh, and quickly, uh, I looked around the world of bodybuilding and fitness and saw that supplements uh, were the way to go, that there was money in that, that I still loved it. I was still part of the industry. And uh, that kind of led me to starting my, my first company, Blackstone Labs. Yeah. And so uh, I remember you and I had a conversation prior to starting Black Blackstone, and uh, you were so dead on, dead set on it, man. You were committed. And you guys really did do some good stuff. Um, and I, you don't have to go into details of what you did there, but what I'm curious about is there's a lot of people out there starting businesses. I get a lot of people who are aspiring uh, coaches, people who are aspiring entrepreneurs who follow the podcast. And uh, there, there's universal business lessons to be pulled out of your first business. And I wouldn't say it was, it was a failure by any stretch. You, you did relatively well. Um, but I'm curious if you have anything that stands out as like some of the, the big lessons you pulled out of it. And you can go, hey, this is mistakes we made or here's things we did really well. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so compared to where I'm, where we're at now with Redcon, you know, it's, it's a, it obviously pales in comparison. It's, it's a, t- a tiny, we're doing it a month in revenue with the, with that company did in our very best year. Um, but that being said, we were the 27th fastest growing company in Inc, Inc 500. You know, uh, I felt like, you know, we were setting the world on fire, you know, in the, in, in the business. It's very profitable. It was mostly all direct to consumer. And when we started the business, you know, the orders, social media also wasn't anything like it is today. We were really ahead of the time on social media. We were pr- heavily promoting the brand and the products. And the, and the big thing was the type of products we had, which kind of the hardcore products, really had no face. There was no personalization in, in the business. Really not that much in supplements in general, but definitely not in the type of like hardcore bodybuilding supplements. So having me and PJ get in front of it, my old business partner, getting in front of the, the products helped a lot. And so I very distinctly remember, you know, packaging, we packaged all the products ourselves, uh, like package them up, put them in the envelopes and then brought them to the uh, post office. And I remember the day that we realized that we didn't have to physically pack, bring them, that they would actually come get them. That that was like a, a eureka moment. So to give you an idea of how sophisticated we were in business, like that, that's where we were at. But somehow we were getting enough orders that we filled up a garbage bag every day. And then it became two garbage bags and three garbage bags. And somewhere along the line, we realized that they, they would actually come pick it up for us. Uh, but it was a really exciting time in that beginning. And the, the, the biggest stuff that I learned, you know, because obviously the, the, this business ended up leaving. It was a big explosion of, um, of kind of a, part, it was a partnership dispute, basically. And then kind of like a divorce between uh, two business partners. Divorce is the best way to, to describe how it, how it ended. And it wasn't pleasant. And it was a big explosion. But uh, along the way, the things that I learned, number one, is for sure, make sure if you're going to get a business partner, that they're, um, that you guys uh, work together well, have defined different roles so that ego doesn't get in the way. Make sure that you even need a business partner. That's one of the things I tell people, like, what, what, if you have a business partner, what do you, what's the account, what is that going to accomplish? You know, how do they complement each other? Maybe one guy has money and you don't, that's cool. Now you have two things. Maybe you have marketing skill and that person is a great operator of the business or maybe has artistic skill or a website. You know, it, there has to be some complementary thing. You can't both be thinking you're going to do the same thing. And for, for me with, with us, you know, we had kind of a, um, a kind of a role that was overlapping and, uh, and it ended up being a bigger and bigger and bigger problem. Um, but I think finding that business partner, making sure you need one in the first place and it's the right person is a, is a big deal from the very beginning. I mean, that's one lesson. The, the other thing that I would tell you right from the beginning is when you're starting a business, you need to make sure that you have a differentiating factor. How are you different than your competitors? I have people all the time like, I want to start a t-shirt company. Like, well, why? Like, what are you going to do different? Why aren't they going to buy my Redcon shirt? Why are they going to buy your shirt? Like, what's, the, what's the reason? You know, how are you going to differentiate yourself from the competition? And if the answer is we're just going to make cool shirts, well, good luck, man. There's a million people making these shirts. You have to realize, like, think, what is your thing that makes you different from every other t-shirt company or whatever company that might be? And a lot of times people don't have that answer. You know, they're just like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing as everybody else does. Well, good luck. You know, yeah, that's a very difficult thing. So you have to find your, your niche and be prepared to figure out a way to differentiate yourself from the competition. I remember when you came to me and, and mentioned that you had an idea. You didn't even tell me what the idea was, but you were ecstatic about the idea. You're like, this is a very good idea. I know it's going to do very, very well. Um, how did you come up with the idea for Raycon? So one thing I'll say, because you, 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 br- you brought it up unintentionally, is that I have this um, thing that I realize is really unusual about myself. I didn't know it back then. Uh, but I have this kind of unshakable confidence that I'm going to win. 
And uh, it's definitely not arrogance because I don't feel arrogant, but I don't feel like overly confident where it's like, you know, some kind of like, oh, I'm the best or whatever. Yeah. It's just so when I have an idea, something about me that's different is I get really excited about it and I, and I go all in and not only do I execute it, but I follow through. And as I've gotten older and been around more people, I realize how rare that is because everybody has good ideas. Everybody, I'm sure everybody listening has had a good idea. They go, man, that's a great idea. And they, and they go, oh, too much work or, oh, I'm going to do it. And they go in the middle, they go, oh, never mind. Right? Somebody else tells them it's not a good idea and, and they, they lose confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It happens all the time. So for me, um, how I told you with Redcon, I felt that same way with lots of things. And, and I'm not always right. But for some reason, I seem to be able to forget the times that I'm wrong. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just gone. I, I have the same thing with, with like um, holding grudges or whatever. I, I'm so bad at it where it's almost a character defect. Where like, I'll be, somebody will do me wrong or I'll be mad about something. And then I just like, seems to just go away. And then same, same thing with, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good quality, except if you keep getting screwed over and over again, right. which yeah, that's why I have Eduardo who is, uh, hangs around me all the time. And my wife to tell me that, uh, that, that, you know, Eduardo will literally starts off hating everyone uh, automatically. So he's exact opposite of me. <laughs> he, you meet him and he thinks like that you're to the worst. And then along the way, you may earn points and he may end up liking you or trusting you very rare. So I'm, it's good to have that counterbalance. Eduardo is my, uh, start off as my assistant, as you know, and is now chief of staff here at Redcon. So he, he just doesn't believe anybody's good until you prove that you're good. So he's literally somebody walks in and tells you, oh, I've done this, this is a, he'll tell me, yeah, he sucks, he sucks. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then the person earns their way, hopefully. Um, but um, that same, whatever characteristic or genetic thing it is with me that automatically moves past any kind of negative feelings, I don't know if it's a protection mechanism or how that, where that came from. That same thing is in self-belief. So I don't really have, like, we, we started this gym in Nashville that opens May 22nd. And um, when I decided that I was going to do it, it, it happened really all of a sudden. We were in there working out. Uh, Taylor, my, uh, uh, our, our main guy for procurement and logistics, and, uh, and my wife came the next day. And when I was in there, I was like, I'm, this gym is perfect. I'm going to buy this gym. And they're like, gym's kind of a dump. And I'm like, that's good. Nobody's here, but it has the bones of a great gym. It just needs some love, some new equipment. Uh, and, uh, and then the, the gym went out of business the next day, just by chance. And I'm like, that's it. I'm like, that's it. I'm buying a gym, taking it over. It's meant to be. And, uh, and I, and I did, and we made a deal and I took it over and we've been spending money and time and effort re, re, rebuilding it basically. And it opens up uh, next month. There's a lot of people here that were like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> They're like, you're not busy enough. This, what do, why do you care about this gym? This gym sucks. What's a waste of time? Even like Eric Hart, who's a, the president here at Redcon One, who is a great friend and a, a very valuable uh, team member, the most valuable team member. Um, he was like, I don't know if this is such a good idea. Like, you know, do we really want another gym? Like, you know, and, and the, the truth of the matter is, I never even questioned that the gym's going to be awesome and it's going to be successful and everybody's going to love it and it's going to make a lot of money. I, I already knew it. There was no, so I, I hear them saying it and I'm like, I get it. They just don't see it yet. You know, when, but, when you just, I think that's the, the key in business, man, is it's like failure just, and that's the same with me in bodybuilding, man. It's like failure, just not an option. You, you may, you may hit obstacles. You may hit barriers. You, you may do some things wrong, but you just keep going. And eventually it's like, yeah, we did it. And it's not a matter of if it's when, you know, and I think right. that is, is a huge lesson to be garnered. I think it is. I think it is a very, uh, very big thing that you have to, even if it's, I told people, Sometimes like maybe that you don't have that self-belief, which is probably most people, but you do have the ability to pretend, right? Yeah. And this is, 
I know this is a big mindset thing. Is a, mindset is a big deal with you. For me, I, I think that if you pretend to have it, if you have that in your head, something, some negativity or your self-doubt, you pretend. You have to say it out loud. It sounds kind of cheesy. But remind yourself, say it over and over again. If you know you're going to win, if you believe it, if you, you say it enough, if you t- internally tell yourself in those self-doubt moments, there's something with telling you, I'm going to lose, this is not going to work, you change it, right? You do it enough, and then all right. of a sudden, it's reality. Well, I think what breaks down for most people is maybe even in childhood or maybe it's in adulthood where you start something and then it's kind of going hard, so you change. And then it's okay for you to change. Whereas I think with yourself, it sounds like you're just like, well, no, I'm all in on this. Like, I'm going to go until it succeeds no matter what. It's not like, oh, you know, we're not doing so well on this. Let's close it down and start something else. And you've lost that investment. You've lost that confidence builder. So you feel a little bit of that resistance and you go, okay, let's, we just need to double down a little bit or bring in a new resource. And there's also something to be said for the reality that you do have resources now and not everyone goes, oh, I don't have that money. Yeah, but at some point you didn't, right? And, and right. so let's talk about, you know, coming back to the Redcon thing. What was, yep. where did the idea come from? So um, when, when I left uh, Blackstone, uh, once it was over and I, and I moved on to, this is interesting. So when, it, we, when I left the business, I had a day uh, for feeling sorry for myself where, uh, where I was like, man, how did this happen? You know, I had this, this company that I put in, you know, a large majority of the work that was done. At that time, I had a, a more of a hard time giving responsibility to other people. So I was really doing, you know, a large majority of almost everything. And I didn't do the art. I didn't do the coding I didn't like do the front end stuff on the website, but just about everything else from label review to QuickBooks to, you know, formulation, you know, I had a uh, help with formulation too, uh, but you know, I did, did a lot. I did more than, more than one person should, if you really want to scale a business, you shouldn't be doing all these different things. You should be focusing on, you know, the, the CEO of a large business shouldn't be doing sales calls and then, you know, managing the accounting and then doing all the payables, handling all the receivables, calling people to pay. I mean, we did a lot. So um, when it ended, I was like, wow, I, I put so much of me and my blood, sweat and tears into this thing that it almost felt like, you know, and this is a, a bad analogy. Thank, thank God I haven't experienced this, but this was like my child. And then it was gone, yeah. you know? And so I had a day of kind of feeling sorry for myself. And then somehow I woke up the next day and I was like, screw it. I'm going to do one way better. This is going to be a positive thing. This is not a negative thing. It gives me an opportunity to start over. I always liked, I forget the name of the movie, but I always liked this movie where the guy gets to go back to high school again. And um, I can look it up. Um, the, and he gets to go back as an adult and goes back and does high school again, knowing all the things that he knew as a, as a adult, but going yeah. back in high school. I mean, if you were able to do that, right, you're able to, you know, make all the right moves. You'd say the right things to the girls. You have confidence in yourself. You, right. you know, you're, you, you have the ability to, to, to go back and, and redo it. So, I kind of decided this is my ability, my chance to do that, to go back and take the right, the wrongs and, and take my mistakes and remove them and all the successes we had, because we had a lot to scale those successes and, and to redo it in a bigger way. Yeah. So once, uh, once I made that internal decision, I was full speed ahead and I called people right away. I was I called Eric Hart and said, Hey, you want to come work for me? Uh, you need to start tomorrow. I told him, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started calling everybody. I called Dallas McCarver, and I didn't even have a name for the company. And I said, listen, this is my idea. I, I want you to be the, uh, the face for the bodybuilding side. You know, I had met two Navy SEALs, Brandon Cruz and Ryan Bates. I told them, I want you guys to be involved. I want to make this not just about bodybuilding, uh, but I want it to be, you know, have something different about it. And kind of at that point in time, what, meeting those two particular guys, because they're, they're very athletic, good looking dudes, very charismatic. And I thought, it's funny because things are a little different now. But at the time I was like, 
no matter if you're you believe if you're a Democrat or Republican, everybody would agree that uh, Navy SEALs, Special Forces guys, uh, they're they're awesome, right? That the, that it's like a at the time it was kind of like a golden era uh, in my lifetime where everybody respected the military. Everybody did, regardless of where you were. Things have changed a little bit these days, uh, but that's where we were. So I was like, that seems like something I could play into my differentiating factor, right? As we were talking about before, how can I make this brand before I was right home, something that made sense on more levels. And I also really wanted to make whatever we we're going to do impactful, uh, more than just selling supplements that we wanted to, to be a purpose-driven company. Um, and so when, when I look back on my life, you know, I had a moment where I was in trouble as a teenager when I was 18 and I went to court for, uh, you know, I got in trouble, basically legal trouble. And they said, Hey, you can either go into the military or you can, um, go to rehab. And I went through, I chose rehab and I went to rehab and thank God I did because I probably wouldn't be here today doing what I'm doing. But I remember that moment uh, and that time a lot because it was a hard decision because my grandfather, both grandfathers fought in the war. My one grandfather was uh, the only uh, Jewish officer to hit the beach in Normandy and command a, a, a troop of guys who were, who were uh, very successful. He didn't talk a whole lot about it, but he was uh, very decorated. He's a captain. And I remember seeing his uniform in his closet at his house, my grandmother, grandfather's house in New Orleans on, on nine rail street. And I remember always looking at it and thinking about all the stories he must have and all the things he did and how brave he had to be. And, uh, and unfortunately I only had a, got a few stories from him because he didn't like to talk about it, but my other grandfather fought in Korea. And so in my mind, somehow as a kid, I always thought maybe that would be my destiny. You know, maybe I would do that and I'd be brave and whatever, you know, I'd, I'd fight for our country and, and do cool stuff. And I used to read all the, military books. And, uh, uh, and so anyway, because of all that, I thought, you know, this, this makes sense to me. I mean, like I could do something with this. I feel like I'd be honoring my grandparents means something to me. And, uh, I thought what a great thing to do to give back to military families somehow. And, and so that's really the genesis of it. And then once we started looking for names, um, Eduardo actually found that the name, uh, we were looking for. So when you name a company, I always tell people you want something short, right? Shorter, the better easy to remember, easy to spell, you know, so those three things are like looking through all these synonyms of, you know, every military term you can imagine. And he came upon uh, Redcon 1 and I didn't know what it meant. I was like, so what's that mean? He said, it's the highest state of military preparedness or readiness. Uh, five would be the least in this case, and one is the most. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. You know, that definitely works. Everybody wants to be prepared, who doesn't want to be ready. And so um, we looked it up and the, the website was for sale for 5,000 bucks. And uh, thank, thank God I chose to do it because we sat there in Flex's gym. We were using the upstairs office of Flex's gym uh, when it was still here in Boca and uh, sitting up there and everybody's like staring at me, waiting for me to decide, do I want to spend the 5,000 bucks on this URL that, you know, because at the time, like, well, does it really matter that much? We could get redcon1.org for, for 10 bucks and we could get, we could choose a different name. You know, there's all these other names we were thinking of. And I pulled the trigger. I said, screw it. Because at the time, right, I'm paying seven employees. We have no products. We don't have a name. I'm paying an athlete, it's doing nothing. Uh, so I'm I'm spending all my savings. There's no no revenue coming in. Um, we don't even know when revenue is going to come in. And uh, I was like, so this is even though five thousand dollars right now doesn't seem like a whole lot at the time. It was a very big decision because yeah. uh, you know a name, right? Nobody knows the name yet. I could have done anything. So we decided to pull the trigger on the name. And luckily, we were able to register it, which is also a big deal. Trademarking, we have, you know, if you look at the, our lawyer, Jay's office, you'll see the walls covered with trademarks. So getting that intellectual property and recording is a very big deal. 
And so we were able to get it. And so we had a name that's easy to remember, easy to spell. We had the URL, we had the trademark. Eventually it took a little time to get it, but we had the trademark. And, uh, and that was kind of off the races, man. That was the, within days, me, Eric Canoaro sat down in my kitchen, started working on formulas and uh, we, uh, we were off to race it, man. That's amazing. So one of the lessons there that I'll pull out from kind of what you said about from moving from Blackstone into Redcon that I often perpetuate to people is like, sometimes you just have to put yourself into stressful situations that are going to develop your character, develop your skill and unimpeachable credentials, right? You went through this company, you may have left with some money, you may not have left with money, but you left with credentials, you left with experience, you can then apply to other things. I know personally, I've started businesses in the past where I'm like, man, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this, but I know it's going to be fun and I'm going to learn a ton. And I'm probably, if I'm enjoying it because it's fun, I'm probably going to end up leaving with a good amount of revenue, a good amount of money. And that's always been the case. It's like, you know, to include my gym or my current business, like it's always just been that. I love this. I'm going to learn a crap ton about business. I'm going to learn everything I need to know and let's go do it. And so you're becoming someone of value. So you're, you're, you and I are about the same age. All of a sudden you're, you know, you're 40 years old or give or take. And you're like, Hey, I'm someone that can provide massive amounts of value no matter what room I enter in because I put myself in these challenging situations, put my feet to the fire. And that's, man, I think that's one of the greatest lessons you can apply to anybody to include, you know, doing a bodybuilding show. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm just going to train because I want to train. Like, man, put yourself in a stressful situation. And people often talk about whether or not you should go to university. And that's my, my kind of acid test, Aaron, is, and I don't know if you, if you went to school, but like uh, university is, it can't, it's not good or bad. It's like, you know, that four years is densely populated obstacles and challenges and you're developing, you know, skills, characteristics and credentials during that phase. And now if you would as densely populate your life otherwise, then maybe you don't need to go to university, right? If you start a business and you have these dense obstacles, then it's probably not useful for you to go to university. But if you're not someone who's going to put yourself into those intentional challenges to grow, then it, it may be a useful decision for you to make. That's kind of how I approach all the decisions around business. Like, am I, do I love this? Is this going to make me someone who can provide value in business? So that's tr- that's a perfect transition for us into, you know, kind of the growth. How, what year did you start Redcon? Um, in 2016. Okay. So it's been just coming up on five years. So the amount of growth that you've experienced in Redcon is kind of exponential. And I just want to maybe have you touch on some of the key principles that you've abided by personally to continue uh, aspiring to, to not use uh, obstacles as, uh, you know, as excuses. And you know, some of the best business practices you implement on a day-to-day basis to keep you motivated to be great. Yes. Well, I, I love... Uh... I'll just say quickly on the, on the college thing. I uh, I didn't go to college and I, and I didn't graduate high school. I got a GED in high school, but I think that uh, that I'm, I'm I can tell you for sure that I'm actually kind of a fan, you know, a fan of of education, formal education. If my boys wanted to go to college, I have three little boys, as you know. If they wanted to go to college, I'd be 100 percent supportive of it. If they wanted to get advanced degree, I'd be super supportive of it. I'd be excited for them. Um, but for an entrepreneur out there that knows what you want to do in business, if you're intellectually curious, if you're willing to accept a lot of uh, challenges that you put yourself under, I personally like, I know that I thrive under pressure and challenges and obstacles. And, I, uh, and I've certainly found a way in turn to internalize obstacles and challenges as a really positive thing. I don't, I don't dread them at all. I, I look forward to it. And in fact, when things are going too good, I feel like uh, almost the need to, to push myself harder because I don't like to just sit back. You know, I don't want to um, be the guy relaxing on the beach. I want to be the guy doing something else. You know, so what's that dialogue forward. in your head? Sorry to cut you, but I want to hear like what that dialogue is in your head. So when you, hear, you feel something come up and you're like, oh, shoot, this is going to be a, an obstacle. 
do you have a, like a, a dialogue that you go through in your brain and how you get yourself to step into it? You know, I think, I think that, um, I think that the internal dialogue, if it were to, if there were words that to go along with it is that I think that I personally feel more comfortable with, uh, with challenges because you know, they're going to be there. You know, they're coming, right? Nothing is good forever. <laughs> you know, that there's ebbs and flows in life. And if there's an obstacle coming, then you know there's some way to gain value from it. I know that there's some way to gain value from it, to gain experience, uh, to, to learn something new. Uh, if there's no obstacles or challenges and you're just coasting through life, what, what fun is that, right? That's not my idea of fun. That's not what I want to do. So if there's something that happens, as we here at Redcon, there's, it seems like there's always some disaster constantly happening. Um, it really, I mean, it's crazy. If I listed off all of the disasters that have happened, um, but they're not really disasters. You know what I mean? Every one of them, you could be like, oh my God, and, you know, the sky's falling. This is happening. That's happening. You know? um, but in reality, I look at each one of those things. And when it actually occurs, I tell myself, we're going to be fine. You know, if I'm saying a word out loud, we're going to be fine. This is not that big a deal. All the things that I've been through in my life, this is tiny. This is nothing. You know, it's, not, it's nothing. It is not going to be a big deal. The people that are thinking that it is a big deal, and there are certainly people here I mean, Jay, the lawyer is paid to think everything is a crazy big deal. You know, I mean, I tell myself these guys, these people haven't been through what I've been through in my, in my life. You know, haven't had all the obstacles. So to them, maybe it, it does seem like the sky's one. But to me, it's just one more thing to pass by and, and conquer on the way to the next bigger thing. You know, and there's going to be plenty of plenty of other disasters. So how do you catch yourself when you step into complacency then? So flip on the other side of that, yeah. you're like, hey, everything's going really well. And you know, I am for myself. There, there's certainly been times of feast, and certainly been times of famine. And and there is definitely a time where you catch yourself going, "Oh, I definitely took my foot off the gas pedal here." Whether it be for a day or a week, and you're like, "Oh, how? so what? What is your mental process if there is one, and or does that ever happen?" Well, it definitely happens uh, occasionally. And uh, when when so if I'm sitting back and I'm like, so my schedule here is is, is very like the boom 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 boom. There's always like another thing, another thing, next thing, next thing, and so. On days where there's like not like that, even because there's, you know, I don't have there, it's been rare, very rare run where I'm actually able to sit back all the way and be like, ooh, it's going too easy, right? But on the days that I don't have like a jam packed schedule, where there's constantly things going and I have to create my own work where I have to go, okay, what should I, what could I be doing now? Because I don't know what to do. I have nothing on my list. I don't have anything to schedule. There's no goals that I could immediately hit. And then I have to go and do something that's outside of, my normal stuff, you know, like, so I'm writing this, this book, right. I mean, you talked about it briefly, I'm writing this book on, on my life and it's kind of like a cheat sheet to um, business success that I've experienced along the way. Um, but it's my story. So it's using my story in terms of entertainment, but it's really a, uh, a business book, I would say, you know, to, to entertain somebody, but also to gain value from it. So, um, and I have uh, a guy who's helping me write the book and we're writing it together. So if I have nothing to do, like recently I'm starting to, write out stories in more detail because I'm like, I, I'm like, Oh, I don't have anything to do for an hour. I'll figure something out. And that's the kind of times when I go, man, like feels kind of wrong to not have anything going on for this period of time and have to find something for myself to do. It's, it's weird. That's a weird uh, thing for me. And, and when that does happen, I, uh, I do feel a little uncomfortable being like, it's funny. I don't have anything to do. And some of the time when that happens, it's rare. I, uh, people here at the office don't like me as much because I'll walk around and be like, what are you doing? What's going on? Where are you at? What are you doing? Show me what you're doing. <laughs> Micromanaging. And, 
Yeah. And I start to, I started scaring people apparently because um, yeah. I have all the people out there. You know, my marketing team is beyond the glass doors of my office. And so we have about 40 people out here and I can, I literally will go from person to person. Show me what you're doing. Where are you at? And I don't mean it to be, I'm not trying to pressure them, but I know some people, since I don't do that every day anymore. Back in the day, I used to do that all day long. Um, so to go up to somebody who doesn't get a chance, we don't talk a whole lot. And I go, show me what you're doing. Apparently, it, it makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> I've been told. But, but, but as it should, right? I think, you know, as, as it should, they have a huge amount of respect for you. They want to, they want to do a great job for the company. Yeah. And right. hopefully, they want to work up through the company. They want to do a great job and progress up through the company. Yes. And we've had a lot of people do that. We have a lot of success stories here at the business um, where people start off. We have Taylor, who I just mentioned. Uh, Taylor started at $12 an hour packing boxes five year, almost five years ago. And now makes six figures and runs, has 80 employees that are underneath him. He runs the entire pick, pack, and ship operation. He also runs the procurement and uh, runs all of the warehouse uh, in Tennessee. So he's doing all of that from here, from a guy making $12 an hour to uh, at, at what he was 21 at that time to somebody who's almost 27 who, you know, has a fiance, drives his dream car and makes six, six figures, you know, in six, six figures doing this job that he loves. So those kinds of stories are the stories that definitely I like to think create some of the company culture here where people feel like they want that. You know, Awesome. You, you brought up the word that I wanted to, to transition to next is culture. And I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, when they start out, have a hard time getting uh, clarity on the roles and, and uh, KPIs and expectations for employees. And then following that up with how do you get buy-in? Like how do you get people who t- to actually... Uh, who are actually doing their job really well, who actually believe in the mission, who actually, you know, come to you and they exceed your expectations rather than just meeting them. Because I think, you know, you've done an incredible job scaling your business up as far as, you know, the the sales and as far as the employees. That's not an easy task. Yeah. Your company culture is something that um, that has been very important to me from the very beginning, you know, knowing that that these team members are are really going to make up the success of the business. It's I, my, my role here is in these days anywhere is more like a, a coach and like a driving force behind the, the momentum of the brand and less like I'm not actually so like the good ideas are not all like I'm very few of the good ideas are my ideas now uh, where because the team is large and so they have a lot of smart people. So my idea I mean not almost oh I don't want to say never, but almost never is my idea the, the winning idea, right? Which is totally okay, which is a good which is a good thing. But the way that we have created this, I think, well, a few things. One, we have a town hall every month. So a town hall is when we get everybody together, whether you're a guy packing the boxes or a coder working on the app or, you know, me. And we talk about, as a group, talk about what's going on in the business. I keep them all informed on what's happening in every part of the different facets of the business. Uh, you know, you may say, some other business owners may say, well, why does the warehouse guy need to know about your newest, you know, marketing thing or your new account you're in. Well, because it makes them feel bought in. You know, they're by, they are part of a larger team doing something together. And uh, I think that's one of the big things. Other thing we do is uh, we do team building events. So every eight weeks or so, uh, it used to be more often pre-COVID. That's been tougher to get people together and do a big fun thing together. But yeah, we would play paintball together. Most recently rented a a 180 foot boat and had a big party on a boat, went up and down the intercoastal and catered food and drinks uh, for, for everybody. Uh, which was really, really fun. Uh, we've done we've done all kinds of cool stuff. Everybody went to the beach. We've done a long, probably 30 different events over the, over the last uh, right. five years where somebody in the sales department gets to interact and hang out. And we even do team building stuff, uh, which sometimes sounds cheesy, but ends up being really fun where the marketing guy gets to hang out with the sales guy because sales guy is on the first floor, marketing guy is on the third floor. 
all the video and content creations of the second floor. These people are not interacting on a day-to-day basis. So it gets everybody together to, you know, hang out. And then having the gym has been an unexpected, it wasn't part of the plan, having a gym or having it create such uh, team unity. Everybody here gets a membership to the gym for free and gets a plus one for free. And we have a very surprising amount of people that go to the gym every day. So, you know, you see your coworkers in the gym working out, taking their products. Uh, people here, if you were to walk around, everybody is wearing a red country, not because they have to, because they want to, you know, they get free apparel and free products every month, uh, which, you know, started off as being no big deal when you have 10 or 15 people, but when you have hundreds of people, it, it's a big line item. We're giving a lot of products, you know, probably half a million dollars a year, easy in cost of goods that we're giving to our own employees. It's not a thing that really people do at the size of the business we are now. I mean, Eric Hart, uh, who I mentioned before, the president of Redcon, he worked at uh, BSN and that they didn't do that. They didn't give everybody uh, products for free. They gave them uh, 50% off or 40% off or something like that uh, to give everybody, you know, an allotment uh, kind of encourages that, that understanding of what the products are, being able to wear the, the apparel. Right. So there's a lot that goes into the, 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 the whole team thing here. There's a lot that goes into it. And, and I try to foster the ability to uh, communicate with me as much as possible. You know, it's been, as you get bigger, that's becomes more. So I used to have an open door policy. Anybody can come in. And then we had to start setting a kind of a, uh, almost like a hierarchy of like, Hey, this is your boss. Please go to him. Don't, don't come here, which is, that's the part that, you, that gets scary. When you add HR, when you add these levels of management, it, it, it changes things. And that's the thing that we've been worried about and we've been able to avoid I don't want to. I don't want to change the core of the business. What made it successful? Because that magic could easily go away when you create this corporate atmosphere. Um, but on the flip side, I can't have every person coming into the office at any time they want because it, right. it's already it's already, I'm already uh, it's already crazy enough to have people like back in the day where people would come to me for everything. It would be right. yeah, not a tenable thing. What's your favorite thing about uh, Redcon? My favorite thing about Redcon. Oof, there's a lot. There's a lot of things, and it's very. I'm very proud of it. It's uh, it's part of who I am, and uh, part of the family. You know, my kids all wear the Redcon shirts. They're all excited to come to the office during Black Friday. Asher packs. You know, Asher's my eight year old, and uh, every year he looks forward to it. And this year, this past year, you know, for what we give him, I pay him a dollar an hour, or if he completes the whole shift, eight hours, he gets twenty bucks. And um, I, I was very proud to see that he wanted to work double shifts. You know, he can read, so he can do everything. He can literally do, you know, the, the job. Like, I don't have to, last year, but the year before, he needed some help and we kind of did it together. This year, he did it all by himself. Uh, he worked uh, five full shifts, you know, which is pretty, pretty awesome. He brought some of his older friends to do a shift with him. And so there's, man, there's a lot to be proud of. There's a lot to be proud of. The, the, the stuff that makes me the most proud uh, that we're, that we do is the, is the charitable giving stuff, changing people's lives with that. And then the reaction from, so we just went to FitCon. So this is on top, kind of top of mind for me. We haven't gone to any any fitness expo in a while. You know, there was no Arnold last year. Uh, the Olympia was, you know, pretty minor. We hadn't, didn't, didn't do any other major expos in, in well over a year. So to go to FitCon in uh, Dallas to support, you know, our friend uh, Rob Bailey and Dana, Yep. To go to go there and to see the amount of people wearing the red shirts without exaggeration, it was probably a thousand people walking around wearing red shirts, and they're coming up to the booth and buying products and are so excited and taking pictures with me, which uh, they don't even know who my name. A lot of them, they're just like, "Oh, you're the red guy," and they want to take a picture. And it's like they're not. It's 
it's past Kai Green, it's past Robert Oberst, it's past me. It's the brand that they're excited about. Um, and the amount of people that come up and say, how oh, it helped me lose weight, or you know, one of the things I hear all the time that we're not really able to advertise is the amount of people that take like the MRE powder uh, it, instead of insure or something since so their mother or their grandmother or cancer patients that's saying to take this product because they can't eat any food. Right. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of stories like that where you're like, damn, it's crazy. Like here we are just making, I thought we were just making cool products to get your muscles big. And then there's all these people that it affected and, cha- and changed their life in a positive way. So that kind of stuff is the most meaningful. That's, awesome. yep. that's the biggest stuff. So man, one thing that I think would help a lot of people if we could dig into is your paradigm around money. You and I, last time we met and spent some time together, we talked a little bit about um, how like one of the things that drives you is like how I want to make life-changing money. I want to make cross-generational wealth and which you're, you're obviously well on your way to doing. And there's, there's other people out there who, who maybe they say uh, they don't want to make money or maybe they don't want to make money. And I'm curious, um, just like, you know, how, how you frame uh, money in your mind. Mm-hmm. So money for me uh, equals uh, freedom. So and, and a lot of people say that. And the way that I, that I mean it is that it allows me to do, the, or continues to, allow me to do more and more of the things I want to do when I want to do it. And it allows me to not do the things that I don't want to do. And so the more you get into the, the, this mindset, the, the better off, you know, in my mind, life becomes. It doesn't mean like being retired or sitting on the beach because that's not what I want to do anyway. But it will let me not do laundry. <laughs> it yeah. will, if, if I need to get a haircut, I'm not going, they're coming to me, right? If I need to do, go to a trip, I can get on, a, on a, my plane, on my plane, get on it and go there. I can do it instantly. I don't have to wait in line or whatever because it's, it's giving me more time because time is the, the thing that is the, you can't buy. You could be as rich as you want to be, you know, and they're not buying more time. Mm-hmm. So it gives you the ability to use your time the way that you want to do it instead of being, you know, at the mercy of anybody else other than maybe uh, my wife. Uh, right. and, you know, that's other than that. <laughs> but so now let's talk about how you arrive there, right? So, um, you know, some people, like I say, have, um, you know, some limiting beliefs, like maybe uh, money is the root of all evil or I never had money, so therefore I won't. Um, do you have any conscious recollection of what your paradigm around money was when you were getting into trouble at 18, maybe when you were making 60 grand a year uh, working for Dave? You know, when I was a kid growing up, um, we didn't talk about this a whole lot, but I was, uh, I was, you know, I've told many people and talk about it a lot. I was addicted to drugs and I was an intravenous heroin and then cocaine user. Uh, and, uh, and life changed for me when I was in my pretty much late twenties, almost middle late twenties. And, uh, at the time, money represented, as a, as a young adult, the ability to buy drugs, basically. You know, it was not, a, it was a means to an end. And that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, people say, well, would you ever think you're going to be successful? Or did you think, like, you think about all these things then? The truth is, I don't think I cared. I just didn't, it wasn't like a, a priority to me at the time. It was like, in a way, you know, this is a very negative version of what you did, because yours paid off tremendously, where mine was just doing drugs and making bad mistakes. But in bodybuilding, you have to be single-mindedly focused, right? So as a drug addict, you have to be single-mindedly focused to get heroin. Because you're sick, sick, sick. All, all you can do is getting heroin. And it doesn't allow you to do anything else. So my, my young adult years were focused on getting drugs. So I didn't have any money, didn't mean anything for me other than being able to get more drugs. And then once I got out of that and focused on following my passion, it, following my passion wasn't about making money. It was about you know, basically living life and being able to do something that I enjoyed and being able to pay the bills. I never, uh, I always like nice stuff. 
from a little, my mom will tell you, I wanted the, the, the hundred dollar pair of Michael Jordans, you know, one of the Jordans. I wanted them. I've always wanted that stuff, but I never thought it was important to me or I never did the work really. Maybe it was more like I didn't want to do the work to get the thing right. that I thought I wanted anyway. Um, when I was a kid, I had a poster of a, a Lamborghini on the wall and I had a, this Lamborghini Countach and you know, I remember it. And I always thought it was awesome and I wanted one, but I didn't really want one. I mean, I didn't like actually want to do the work to get one. I just would love to have had one. Right. I never even saw one in real life, um, but I just knew that that car looked cool and I wanted it. Um, so, so I think, go ahead, Ben. Do you think business has become similar to chasing the high, like chasing oh, yeah. the, the next fix? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, there you have to be honest with yourself, right? If, if you are honest with yourself, you can kind of, have a, the ability to realize who you are, right? Sometimes uh, you just need to get comfortable with that. Sometimes you need to figure out how to change it. Sometimes you need to just accept it. So for me, I'm, I'm past uh, the point of changing some of these things. I have embraced the fact that I have a very, very obsessive personality, very obsessive personality. Um, and instead of focusing on negative things, I rather obsess about positive things and do good things with that gene, that, that, that part of me. Um, so yes, definitely that, that obsessiveness that was chasing heroin or whatever is still there. And instead of chasing, you know, uh, that something negative, I'm definitely focused because I do get uh, a lot of satisfaction out of the, the business stuff. It's fun. It's fun for me. Uh, I don't, I don't look at this. So I'm here at the office and if I had no children and no wife, I would be at the office all day long and all night long. I would be extremely unbalanced person extremely about. So I know that about me. And thankfully I have a wife, Gary Ellen and three little boys that pull me out of here every night. Um, otherwise I'd just be here. Um, so that's something I know about me and, and I'm, and I'm good with, because I think that's what drives me personally to do so many things that other people, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't want to do. Now it doesn't mean you can't do that without this kind of this gene or this thing, the, this internal thing that I have about me. But for me, it's definitely something that pushes me to keep wanting to accomplish because it is not about money for me. And it's less and less now, the more and more you're able to achieve financially and the more financial freedom you have, it can't be about money because what is, so say you have a hundred million bucks, right? You're not, there's nothing now at this point that I couldn't buy. You couldn't buy with that hundred million bucks, you know, and then if you have a billion dollars, then what would be the reason to get $2 billion, right? Or $4 billion or, you know, at some point it can't just be that. You have to be enjoying what you're doing. You have to be loving it or there's no point. It's just, it's, it's, there needs to be something other than that, right? right. So for you, um, I'm going to ask the question, I think I know the answer, but the honest question is, do you feel like it's it was an away from, uh, moving away from pain when you started or was it always moving toward pleasure? So, you know- In moving away from, as a, as a business person? Yeah, well, in life. So some people are, are moving away from like, I don't want to be broke. I don't want to feel like I'm, in, I'm inadequate. I don't want people to think I'm a- whatever, like a negative versus I've always wanted that aspirational thing and I'm moving toward that, right? So in the beginning as a bodybuilder, maybe you're like, hey, I just don't want to be fat or I just don't want to be skinny. And then eventually it turns into, hey, I want to be Mr. Olympia. So I'm curious at, at any point, was there ever a negative moving away from, or was it always like, no, no, I, I want to be great? Always positive, going towards a positive. Yeah. Um, I never I never felt like I didn't grow up poor by any means. Uh, even the times that I personally had no money, it was my own mistakes that caused it. Right? I've had all this adversity in my life, but it was most, almost all of it was self-imposed adversity, you know, you know Kai, it, always Kai is, Reed, it always is, right? Yeah, it, it always yeah. is. Well, well for, for Kai, right? Kai, I'm using him as an example. He was, you know, had a, a, a mother who had some mental issues. He had a father that wasn't as totally absent. 
you know, and was put in a group home at a very young age and had a lot of bad stuff done to him as a kid. Um, but he doesn't fall back on that saying like, Hey, this is the reason why I can't be successful. Right. He has used that to motivate him. I didn't have those kind of things. I didn't have any reasons to be like, well, I shouldn't be successful. I, I always thought like I could, I, I was one of the things I was told as a kid a lot um, is that I was underachiever. I told that a lot. And I always took that as a compliment because I was like, well, that means I could be really good, you know, as opposed to, right? I was always like, Ooh, so I'm underachiever, you know? Uh, so, uh, cause I, I would be a, you know, a C plus student and people would be like, you know, you, you should be making all A's. And I'm like, that's great. Like, cause I'm not going to put in the work to do that, but at least I could, if I wanted to. Uh, so I was never, I was never, uh, I think that's that kind of that knowing that I had something in me that could be was enough. So it was always moving as once I decided to move in that direction, we was moving towards, you know, achieving something new and exciting and then finding that goal and then going to the next thing. One thing I, I really admire about you, man, is um, the balance. Again, this is not the right word. I know you said you're not balanced, but the, the balance you seem to be able to achieve between actually keeping a very uh, happy, successful family at home and the personal development that, you know, you say you read a lot. You said, you, I hope, I mean, I think you said you still continue to read a lot and manage, managing a massive business. Tell us a little bit about how you kind of manage that, the, the balance between those things, if it is possible. Yeah. So, um, so I just recently, um, I've been working on uh, one of my new <laughs> sort of like weird obsessions you will like, I think, is flexibility. So I am not flexible. I'm terribly <laughs> inflexible, right? As a bodybuilder, it, it would have been smart for me all these years of lifting weights to, to stretch. I never, ever did. Everyone needs to stretch. Everyone. I never, never did. So um, I've, I've heard that plenty of times and I've started, I started having some back issues and my left knee started bothering me. And when I got it checked out, the doctor said, there's nothing in there that was wrong. Like, they didn't think there was any issue, yeah. but it was, it was bothering me. Yeah, it was bothering me every day. Like I'd be yeah. like, Ugh, uh. and so um, I have a, I have a few physical therapists that work for us at the gym. And, uh, and I said, Hey, you want to check it out? He, and so he was kind of feeling my leg and he had me do some stuff. He's like, Hey man, you realize you're like incredibly inflexible. And he's like, your IT band is super tight. It could be pulling your knee off to the left side and it could be causing all these issues. And, uh, and I'm like, huh. And, uh, and so he looked at me, uh, had me stand, looked at my shoulders. He goes, this shoulder is really pulled forward. You know, um, let me see your range of motion here. And I did it. He's like, well, oh, you're really bad in a bunch of places. Right. And I'm like, okay, so what do I got to do to, um, to fix it? He's like, well, we can come to the, I'll come to the office and we could do 90 minutes of, stretching and mobility stuff twice a week. And if we do it twice a week and commit to nine units twice a week, you will, we'll fix this. And so like, now I can like touch my toes, which sounds like no big deal. But for me, I've never in my entire life been able to keep my knees straight and touch my toes. That's great. How long have you been doing that? Progress. What's that? How long have you been doing that? Four months or so. You know? you. That's awesome. Um, so this, this gentleman, I bring this, I only bring this up. Um, well, it shows you how obsessive I am to want to do, to, to do this kind of thing. Most people would be like, eh, or you do it by yourself, but I know that know enough about it that I know I couldn't accomplish this kind of thing without help. Um, so, and I do stretch on my own a little bit also every day, but not, not like this. Uh, so anyway, uh, as he was working on me, uh, Felipe is the guy who comes to the office. Uh, was a PT he comes to the office. Uh, he asked me about that. He goes, so right now you are starting the gym in Nashville and you, uh, are running, helping, I mean, running the gym. I'm not really running, but I'm owning a gym here in Boca. You're running this business. You know, you are writing the, the book, right? 
you're in the process of selling part of the company, going through diligence to sell a minority share of the company. You are um, raising three little boys, going home every night. You are reading a book, books, hours every day. And uh, what else did he say? He had a whole list. And he's like, you're doing all these things. He's like, how, how uh, did you do that? And aren't, don't you feel burnt out doing it? Aren't you getting like you're too much? Like you, you're waking up. Also at the time I was walking a lot. I was doing the walking like me and, me and you. Uh, what, you walked with me for a good seven or eight miles, whatever we did. Uh, and at the time I was waking up early to, to walk. So he's like, you know, so how do you do this? So you start walking at five in the morning. You're going to bed at one or two. How is this possible? And you must be, you must be, you must not be long until you're going to burn out doing this. And so the, the truth is that all of that came over a long period of time. It didn't just happen where I wasn't like one day I was working for Dave Palumbo, editing videos and doing a radio show a few times a week. So now I'm doing all this, right? It was a, a buildup over, you know, over a decade of, of adding, 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 and, um, and building up. So the, the balance part and actually doing this, it, it feels very easy for me. It feels, uh, it doesn't, I know, I don't feel burnt out at all. And in fact, when it slows down, I feel like, what the hell? I'm like, you know, I need to be going, going, going. If I have nothing to do, I feel like uh, there's, there's something not right. Right. So, um, and so when people say, you know, about relaxing or whatever, that feels more stressful to me to sit back and like hang out and just not do anything. You know, you've told me yourself, disconnect, put your phone away. Like that stuff, not having the stimulus, stimuli uh, around me of things I must do to me is harder for me than doing the thing that Felipe was like, how is this even possible that you could right. be doing this? Perception of it is big, right? Like how do you, do you perceive your work as stressful or not? Do you enjoy yeah. what you do or not? And, and man, the walking for you, as much as that's another time consuming activity, it's, it's massively helpful for your recovery. People don't acknowledge like if you're walking eight miles a day, every day plus, um, your the, the support to your aerobic system, the support to your autonomic nervous system is tremendous, especially because most of it, I believe you do outside, which is huge. If everyone just Hold did up. that, their, their tolerance to stress goes up. It's this idea of resilience, right? You, you can subject yourself to way more stress. So keep that up. Don't, don't lose that. Um, I'll tell Darielle you said that. She has not, it has, it has moved past the point of uh, where she is like um, approving of it. Cause I do, it is a, a long duration now, uh, but I've been trying to continue. Like when I went on to, to FitCon, I, I kind of doubled up. So I think the outside part is the, to me, I feel like the, the walking outside is such a key because you can do it on a treadmill and it doesn't, you know, I don't feel the same. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So from, from the level of the autonomic nervous system, even just the simple panning of the horizon with your eyes left to right is going to be very calming to the nervous system and being outside and seeing the sky, seeing the green is innately very calming to your, to your mind and your body. So it's important to know. Um, so, man, you brought up Kai, and uh, I, want, I want to talk about that. I don't want to lose the opportunity to talk about that. Uh, there's, been, there's been a rumor he's coming back to Olympia. Tell me about it. Well, I mean, Kai lives here uh, in Boca. He moved for his first time ever out of Brooklyn, uh, uh, which is especially depressing now from, from hearing his description of it. I already thought Brooklyn's depressing, honestly. Um, just my experience being there and all the, all the grays and browns and just like already. Now you add masks and curfews and everything else he was dealing with and the amount of driving he did to go to the gym and back he's going to new jersey and then his where he lives where he lived you would, there's no parking assigned parking so he'll drive around and look for a parking spot so when he's going to the gym twice a day which is what he was attempting to do because he didn't have anything else really going on he's going twice a day he's spending four or five hours in the car every day um so it's like his his life sounded so terrible um to me 
that when he came here and started, like he stayed for a few weeks, maybe stayed for a month initially. I was like, how can this guy go back from, from being here in Boca to go back there? And the answer is he couldn't, you know, he was like, I'm not doing it. So he ended up closing up shop and bringing everything here. And he lives about two minutes from the gym, maybe three minutes from the office here. I see him every day. He's, he's literally, he, he likes, he likes that he is like the mascot of the gym now. I mean, he's at the gym. He loves that. He thinks that's like great. So he's like there eight hours a day without exaggeration. At the wow. gym. So he's training right now. Uh, so he's basically his kind of split is he does 50 minutes to an hour uh, in, the, in the morning of step mill and then uh, 30 minutes of abs and stretching. And then he will uh, rest here at the gym, eat a meal, usually change all his clothes because he's soaked through from, from that. And then he will do weight training uh, usually for two hours or so goes home, eats, rests. Sometimes he, a lot of times he comes here to do content and, and work with the video team. And he's doing his own podcast that we're kind of pushing for him. And then he will go back to the gym at night and then he'll train with blessing and Quentin and they'll do like, like the crazy screaming and like the intense, super intense training where and he's done a great job, man, for, for blessing. Cause blessing is such a bombastic trainer where he's like, there's very little mind and muscle connection. He's just moving incredible weights. And Kai is the opposite of that. Totally. That all about feel contracting the muscle and so they've really been great so kai is now out of his comfort zone because they're making him use way higher weights because he doesn't want to get beat by the young guy right so but he won't allow them to throw the weight around so like for example they went from barbell rowing uh like blessing and quentin barbell rowing 500 pounds 495 you know for 10 extremely sloppy crazy reps they did it i mean i couldn't even budget at all so it's crazy they're doing it but now they're doing 365, 405, but they're actually contracting. Now, right. Kai on his own, he'd be doing 275 for 30 or 40 reps. So there's this uh, this real cool synchronicity that these guys have came together and, and, and created this thing. So Kai right now is training without exaggeration, eight hours a day of actual like doing something in the gym. Right. Um, he's eating uh, about, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, about eight pounds of chicken, fish, and, and meat of some sort a day. And it's insane when he's eating. He's it's it's crazy how much food he this dude consumes, and and also like maintains how he's looking. And he's and he's about three hundred and uh, I think it was three hundred eight pounds in the morning, um, in crazy shape. So by I can't say one hundred percent Kai is coming back to Olympia, but I can tell you that he's not doing this for nothing. So this is not just for Kai to have fun. There is a point to to what he's doing. So um, I would you can. I can certainly know that I want Kai to compete. I would be very happy and excited to see him compete. And, uh, and if and when he does decide to do that, it will be very, very well documented if it were to potentially happen. So. Love it. Love it a lot. Um, what's the future of bodybuilding, man? It, it, this, you know, it seems like the, you know, there's a huge shift happening. Like a lot of the other, other older guys when I was competing are all gone yeah. There's this kind of young cohort and like most of them, I have no idea who they are. And it's only been like a couple of years. This is very interesting. What do you think is going on? What do you think the future of bodybuilding looks like? Yeah, there are a lot of, you know, in a, in a way, I think that's, that's really positive in the sense that like, there's all these young guys because there's this huge drought of young guys. Like mm -hmm. I didn't see anybody. Uh, there were like years and years where like nobody knew is like, has any potential for being really good. Right. Uh, and now you're starting to see, you know, guys uh, like a blessing or a hunter, Labrada, a bunch of, there's a bunch of guys that are come out, that have been that have real potential. Uh, so, like, I'm hopeful, uh, and the, from the fan perspective, because I'm still a fan of bodybuilding. I'm hopeful that 
that there's more excitement to come. You know, I, uh, I like, you know, people have asked me cause blessing, like, you know, talk shit, friendly, friendly shit. Not like, not like, you know, bad, but like, you know, you know, more like a, almost like a, you know, Conor McGregor, a fellow Irishman, uh, like kind of like that. Um, and people say, Oh, what do you think of this? Should he stop? Or people say, and I think it's great, man. It, bodybuilding is kind of boring, you know? So like if he can make it entertaining and have a character, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, think about all the, the excitement, you know, some of the best moments I could think for you weren't even on stage. It was messing with these guys. And I always know. wanted to do it, but everyone always got so buttered no, about it. <laughs> it's like, it's, true. Wow. it's all just fun. Right. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's it, look, if it's, if it's in, if it's mean spirited, you know, that's the totally different thing, but yeah, there should be more, but you're right. You know, you got, people got pissed off at you, um, for, for being like having any kind of personality messing with anybody at all. Um, and he's getting blessings, getting a little of that, but That's I okay. told him, look, do it. Do, do, do it. Yeah, totally. The only thing he's got to do for blessing is he's got to back it up. So yep. if he gets on stage and gets destroyed, it's going to, he's going to look pretty silly. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think there's no shot of that, but, uh, he's working with Chad also. So should be, uh, interesting. So I, li- I like that, the, that there's all these young guys on the flip side, you know, because there's all these new divisions, I, I can't, it's got to hurt the amount of quality because now it's so hard to be an open men's professional bodybuilder. It's a very, very, very hard thing. You know better than anybody how hard it is to do. So if you have a good physique, how many of the guys that might do bodybuilding are now doing classic or men's physique or whatever? Yeah. Um, it's got to hurt the, the talent pool. Because it's a quicker um, a quicker yeah. path to the stage, right? Like, I, yeah. you know, for me, like people don't see the 10 years that I put in before I ever competed. And uh, that, without that, I wouldn't have been the person that I am. And um, I think people are just missing that opportunity, right? Everyone wants instant gratification because I want to get more likes and I want to get sponsored. And man, nobody had a clue what I was doing for 10 years. And then I showed up at the North Americans in 2007. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, like this guy's, yeah. this guy's got a chance, you know? Um, but that, I think that's what people miss. And I hope eventually the young demographic gets mentored on this reality of like, maybe it's even people like yourself, Aaron, who can support the athletes in a way that, allows them to focus on training and not have to just constantly be chasing the external gratification. I get the, I get the dynamic balance of like, you got to post, you got to be there, but you also don't have to sink into the necessity of needing it. Right. You can, you can, you can post, you can get the likes and the followers without having to just like be addicted to it and constantly have to measure up to it. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. It's it's the social media age has some real pluses and minuses. That's for sure. I mean, for me, I, I'll be, uh, it'll be a long time till, uh, till Asher's got a cell phone and he's posting on Instagram. Daryl posts for, has an account for him now. I would never let him do, never let him uh, be on there doing that. Cause that's, it's definitely asking for all kinds of issues. And, and if you're a bodybuilder who uh, already may have some, some, you know, issues on body image or whatever, in, and uh, maybe it's not everybody for any, by any means, but a lot of people have self-confidence issues and then you're on there getting criticized for, you know, bad calves or your, you know, your, your whatever is bad. You know, my guys, it's tough to, tough to handle too, you know? Yeah. Aaron, you got one of the best podcasts out there. You got some amazing guests. Tell our listeners about the podcast, uh, where they can find yours, maybe Kai's, and then, then a little bit more about where they can find your amazing products at Redcon. Sure. Well, Redcon1, uh, Redcon1.com is our, is our website and we do a large part of our uh, revenue uh, for uh, about about now, as we get with other bigger accounts, we're getting little gets less as we get bigger and bigger because you can't grow the e-com as fast. But a large part, you know, about thirty percent of our revenue now, forty percent of our revenue comes from direct to consumer. So we also offer all kinds of cool cool deals in there. But you can buy the products on Amazon and 
I mean, everywhere, everywhere from we even have products on the two, two total wars in Walmart now. It's the number one pre-workout in Walmart uh, to military bases across the world, uh, GNC environment shop, of course, and grocery stores. And it just keep, we keep adding on. So we're going to, nobody will have a problem finding uh, Red Cone products. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, in, the, in the site and everywhere else, we're, we're constantly putting out content and you can, you can Google us and find us everywhere. Podcast? Podcast. So podcasting, we have a lot of cool stuff that we did that we need to restart doing like uh, silky science where Eric and I talk about the science of bodybuilding supplements. And then I did the readiness report uh, with Eric, myself, you were on there uh, recently, we kind of taking a sabbatical from that because uh, time, time constraints, I was doing that on Thursday nights and uh, that's one more night that I wouldn't be spending with the kids right. and the family. So but you have so many that. great episodes in the archive. People definitely need to check oh, it yeah. out. Yeah. We had all kinds of great guests from, from, from Ben here all the way to, uh, General David Petraeus, uh, Roger Stone, to uh, you know a whole bunch of congressmen, and senators, and I mean, we had a lot of people outside the bodybuilding industry. It gave me a, an opportunity to talk to people that I wouldn't otherwise be able to get uh, on the phone. You talk to uh, um, Robert O'Neill, who killed Bin Laden. I mean, we had ever a whole lot of interesting people on, and it gave me a lot of cool opportunities uh, to, to, to get to know people. Awesome, man, Aaron. I really appreciate your time, man. Next time we can do this in person. Yes. Um, and uh, have some fun and go get some, some great food, get you healthy. Yes. Yeah. Appreciate your time. Of course, Ben. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And that's a wrap, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Thank you so much for tuning into the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed my incredible conversation with Aaron Singerman. Don't forget to take advantage of his incredibly generous offer over at Redcon1, the number one, dot com. You can use the code PAK, P-A-K-30, to ultimately... Uh, capitalize on this incredible short-term opportunity. Now, if you've enjoyed the format of the podcast over the last couple of weeks, where we're offering you additional valuable information, ultimately allowing you to extend youth, extend your vitality, extend your strength, uh, and ultimately live your greatest life in a body you love, then let me know. Let me know on social. Let me know on uh, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts. Let me know on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts I, and YouTube. You can let me know all those places because I want to know if you're enjoying the, the conversation, if you're enjoying the info and how I can help. If there's something specific you want me to talk about, happy to jump in there. If you're not already a member of the Muscle Intelligence Facebook group, do that now. Head over to facebook.com slash groups slash muscle intelligence and you can jump in there. Also, I want to hook you guys up with an amazing deal. If you head over to hypertrophymastery.com, which is the muscle intelligence version of a masterclass for muscle building, I'm going to hook you up this weekend only with a fat loss bundle absolutely free, just as a fast action bonus, 28 days of me walking you through exactly how I implement cardio into a diet plan or ultimately into an optimization plan, uh, exactly how I integrate steady state cardio, high intensity cardio, and all the lifestyle interventions that I think you should be implementing every day to lose maximum body fat and to be lean, healthy, and muscular for life. If that's interesting to you, head over to hypertrophymastery.com right now, sign up for the program, and I'm going to hook you up this incredible fat loss bonus bundle, which is stacked with all the amazing assets you need. It's got a program included. It's got some guidelines for your lifestyle. It's got some dietary guidelines and a huge number of habits that you can be implementing right now to shift your body composition if that's something you want to do. Thank you very much, guys. If you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes and YouTube. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Live your greatest life in a body that you absolutely love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.